All right, y'all, welcome back to part two here on a Thursday, August 11th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, presented by Blue Wire Bods. Uh, Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, on this edition of the program, full ride with Matt Green, talking all things college football, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, we talked about the Big Ten and the new TV deal for them and what that means for the future of college football. We talked about uh, just big thing going to cbs and just that sort of thing how many days are till or until college football we talk about um the most hated college football teams of all time uh who makes the cut who doesn't uh, and then we do our acc preview does clemson get back to the acc title game fsu breakthrough louisville breakthrough uh nc state getting in a double digit wins this year is that a possibility uh, big year for Daniel Babers at Syracuse. We just go up and down the list. Uh, rebuilding year for North Carolina. We just uh, we spend a lot of time on the ACC and talking all things. Uh, what is currently the ACC and hopefully for the foreseeable future. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun talking with Matt. All things ACC in our preview. Big Ten next week. SEC the week after that. Um, don't forget, miss part one here with Yovan Boo of The Athletic. All things NBA right here on this podcast feed. So check that out as well if you, uh, when you can. Thank you as always for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this program. This is a daily national sports show where we cover everything. Yeah, here on the podcast. Uh, like and subscribe, youtube.com slash Chase Most Podcast. Check that out today if you have not already done so uh, as we continue to beef up the YouTube channel. Uh, you can always email me, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase underscore thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer. All right, wrapping up on a Thursday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this late on a Wednesday. Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, is here as he is at this time every single week. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back talking ball as we do every Wednesday night. Absolutely, sir. How was your week? Oh, man, I can't complain. Just uh, just living the dream, as they say. How about yourself? Anything new? How's the wedding planning? uh we're not that far out we are like a week uh, a week no uh a month and a week out just about so uh we're getting in there in the home stretch uh booked the mini moon today for after the wedding uh because uh, yeah. the school and everything else we're not doing the full honeymoon this fall we're gonna wait till the spring uh, we both can get away and actually do like a full like week away uh, there you go so gonna go tropical in the spring but this fall we're going to the mountains so Booked that, booked a good cottage that I'm really excited about <laughs> on a vineyard, pushed away their wild turkeys that I'm all okay. the way here for. Um, yeah, Big wild yeah. turkey guy. Love wild turkeys. Um, bears, hopefully. Uh, we're but you don't there drink Nashville. wild turkey, right? Huh? Do you drink wild turkey? No, I just prefer wild turkey, the animals. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> i'm a big wild turkey guy um they're one of the dumbest animals out there did you know i did not realize that yeah they don't don't appear to be particularly smart but you know who really knows i think who did i i remember looking this up not too long ago i know flamingos are up there as one of the dumbest animals i want to say it might be flamingos might be the dumbest animal if i remember correctly they might be the dumbest out there i feel like their behavior supports that (laughs) like 
let's just chill here in the water. Like I'm sure the alligators won't get us. Maybe that's it. Like, yeah, they're they're up there. I know that. Uh, but turkeys can they and fly? Chicken? Who? Do flamingos, flamingos fly? It's a good question. I don't think Do they so. They kind of right? fly like chickens. Like they kind of you can kind of scurry away, but not real fly kind of thing. I've know. never seen a flamingo fly. So, so hey, there you go. If you've never seen it, it hasn't happened. I just feel like I would have seen a video or we would have seen it in class when we're doing like when we're growing up, we would have seen some National Geographic video that they were showing us when our teacher was out and they had the substitute playing different videos to keep us busy. I would recall some sort of flamingo flying moment (laughs) in my class and I have no visual uh, just recollection of those moments. I, I remember a lot of flying animals from a lot of different flying videos, but I've never seen a flamingo fly. It seems unlikely. Um, flamingos travel at approximately 35 miles per hour over short distances. So they can't they fly can, far. They can fly upwards of 40 miles an hour during long distance flights with supportive hmm. winds. So, so they can it fly. Looks like they can fly. Huh. Where are they flying? Why have we never seen a flamingo in flight? I have never heard. I mean, there's, seen... there's some YouTube videos out there. If you want to see it, I, I see pictures right now of them, of them in the air flying. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Apologies to the zoologists who are just <laughs> screaming in their car right now on their commute uh, about our uh, ignorance towards the, the flight of... Uh, flamingos but i don't know i've never seen it like it's just uh, a thing the google Uh, machine set us straight there you go um matt green how many days until college football i'm glad you asked sir there are 23 days if you are listening to this on on a thursday uh on your podcast feed 23 days till college football season just over three weeks away and so uh got me thinking Who's the best 23 I could think of? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I threw around, you know, Chris Perry for Michigan. You know, that was, a, that was a solid one. Old school. Everyone wanted to throw out this guy, Leroy Keys. You ever heard that name? No. So this guy, look this guy up. Played, mm-hmm. I want to say, in like 68, I, I think. Uh, yeah, 68 was his, his last year at Purdue. This guy looked like the original, like Deion Sanders, Percy Harvin. I'm not really sure. Like he, uh, he had like 900 yards rushing and like 800 yards receiving one year uh, at Purdue. He also like played corner and like safety. Like uh, he finished top three in the Heisman two years in a row. Hmm. But um, not going him. Call it a call it recency bias. But I'm going Jonathan Taylor That's from a good Wisconsin. One. Oh, my God. Like, looking at this man's numbers, you may have forgotten how good this guy actually was in college. Set the NCAA uh, freshman rushing record uh, with 1,977 yards. His average season in college, Mm. 2,058 yards and 18 touchdowns. That's his average season. Mm. Like, over 6,000 yards in three seasons, 55 total touchdowns. Finished, what, Finished sixth, ninth, and fifth in the Heisman his three years uh, at Wisconsin. So, and then last year led the NFL in rushing yards and uh, rushing touchdowns. So, Jonathan Taylor just a baller. He's at twenty three on your countdown. I like it, Jonathan Taylor. Why did I? I guess just because he's uh, twenty eight in the NFL with the Colts, I did not remember that he was number twenty three 
on uh, the Badgers. I wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, what was Devin Hester at Miami? Hester was four. Four. Okay. At Miami, yeah. I was, as cool price. as the number as 23 is, it was hard for me to find, like even to recall a lot of good 23s. Like I don't – like is, is there a 23 that for Tennessee that No, there's nobody. Like, like you I was go thinking, through it. Like Prince Miller at, at Georgia, like Mark Webb. Like they were like solid players. Like no no real stars. Mikey Anderson. Could, Maybe he was 27. 27, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there was was a little corner. uh, Y'all had a little corner who was number 23. If I remember correctly, that's Prince Miller. Oh, was that Prince Miller from like, Oh, six to Oh nine or so. Like the Joe Cox era. Yeah. He was definitely part of the team wearing black jerseys and everything. Like he, he took a punt to the house, uh, against Bama, the blackout game versus Bama, like in the second half where no one really remembers anything that Georgia did well because <laughs> yeah. they did outscore Bama like 30 to 10 or something in the second half, but they were already getting blown out at halftime. It didn't really matter. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, Prince, that was Prince Miller. That was the, I, I couldn't think of many, uh, many Georgia ones, but, um, but yeah, hmm. so that's what we got. 23 days, sir. 23 days. Yeah. Maybe it's a Michael Jordan thing where it's just a lot of players were like, I just don't want to follow Michael. Uh, in football, maybe it's just more of a basketball number just because, I mean, you have LeBron rocking it. You have uh, Kobe going one up on 24. Like there's a lot of reverence in basketball for 23. So maybe that that's part of it. Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't, couldn't tell you. Yeah. Well, college uh, football players get back to us and let us know why there aren't a lot of 23s uh, all time that have been all time great at the very least. Um, quickly, the Big Ten. Uh, this is going to be weird, man. We're this year and next year. I hope you're going to take it in, Matt Green, because these are the last two years that you will hear Gary Danielson and uh, Brad Nessler call SEC on CBS, the big game of the weekend at the 330 spot where it's not a a Big Ten game. It's not Maryland versus Rutgers. No, this uh, this is the last two years of that slot being occupied by uh sec teams That's because be maryland and rutgers aren't getting that that 330 slot no tomorrow. probably not that would be fun. that would be uh just sacrilegious to give them that 330 cbs spot i mean i seem to recall vandy getting the 330 slot a couple times they got it against alabama which was well you, you know they're trying to share the love though right yeah. like just the the few times in the last decade plus that they could get to vandy i'm, I'm sure they did it it's gonna be weird um that this is where we're going and a lot of people have asked the question of like and this is a fair one that i'm very curious about because ultimately without getting into the nitty-gritty essentially uh espn did not uh take the offer or whatever in terms of what the big Ten were looking for with their contract and they're like no we're we're just good um which makes sense based on where college football realignment and what we've heard where it's like ESPN SEC partnership and then the Fox Big Ten partnership that like this seemed kind of a possible outcome, but it's still it's a different thing entirely when they're just off the network altogether. So you're getting no Big Ten games on uh, ESPN starting in 2024, where it's going to be CBS, NBC and uh, Fox uh, for all of their big games, which will be really cool to have, like, as someone who loves Sunday Night Football uh, in, uh, in the NFL, like having that for Saturdays will be really cool on NBC. I think that would be a really cool one 
uh, NBC is going to be loaded with Notre Dame and their big games. And then I'm sure they'll get a couple other big ones and they do a good production job. So I think that will be good. It'll just be weird. CBS just not having SEC football on it at three 30, but how does this affect college game day is what people are asking. And I'm also curious about that because that's an ESPN property. Do you stop going to Happy Valley? Do you stop going to Columbus? Like, do you start covering them a little bit less? Because you're literally not ever going to lead in at that noon slot, which we've come accustomed to where college game day ends. And there might be an Iowa Iowa State game on right after or a Michigan State Rutgers on ESPN right after that college game day ends. Now it will never be the case. So I, I don't know. And I just... That bums me out is that might split game day. We might have two game days now, right? See, I don't know if I would go that far just because they don't only cover, they don't only go to game day with games that are going to be on ESPN or ABC. Like, well, I'm saying they won't be on it at all. Like, it's not going to be at all. Like, there's no, no, that's true. And that's like, that's so weird. Like, so getting used to, I feel like uh, Ohio State, Penn State, that's just, Feels like such a big game. That's always a, a night game on ABC. Mm-hmm. But um, but in ter- but in terms of the actual game day, like I think even though the game could be on Fox or CBS, like you've seen plenty of times, the SEC championship on CBS or something, and, and game day goes to Atlanta or just mm-hmm. or just the you know LSU Alabama, and, and that's where they go. So you've seen that a lot when the game's on another network. I. I would hope that they have the the journalistic integrity to not just start propping up the uh, the teams that that they carry the games on their network. I wouldn't put it past anybody in the year 2022 to to do that sort of thing. But um, in terms of the actual game day product, I don't think they're going to go to where the biggest game is. You know, week in and week out, for the most part. Obviously, they're going to kind of do what we talked about with CBS and Vanderbilt, like they want to spread the love as well. So when they can go to a more obscure game, like a location they don't usually go to, it still has to be a big game, but you see that you've seen them do things like that before. And like the one-offs like going to, to North Dakota state or, or James Madison or some, something random like that. That's fair. Um, but what we shall see, uh, I, I think it, it's just gonna be interesting. And I wonder what this means for the PAC 12 and the big 12 in there negotiations because as others have noted it does make sense that like this is a good thing for those two conferences because now that opens the door for espn programming where they need to fill those big 10 slots so now big 12 and pac 12 i'm gonna guess are gonna battle it out for for those slots right yeah i would think you they would have to because obviously we know how hooked everyone is to their to the television on Saturday, like all day. So Mm. they got time slots to fill and they have to, they're going to put college football games there. Right. So I think this is definitely a good thing at the end of the day, because if ESPN owns all of the rights to the big 10 and the sec, then they almost can own college football in, in the foreseeable future. So if, if, Fox or or whoever it is, NBC gets like exclusive rights to to the Big Ten. Now we have another giant network that, you know, I think the college football playoff uh, ESPN college football playoff contract runs out in like 2025. Like, I think it's probably healthy for the sport if you get some of these semifinal games on a Fox, on an NBC to just like just to make sure that there's not a 
there's not a, a network out there that's seeding the playoff based on ratings and drama and that sort of thing that we don't have any sort of foul play involved. So I think the more networks that get involved, you know, I think that's that's definitely better. For sure, for sure. Um, but we shall see how it all unfolds and where the Pac-12 and Big Ten or the Pac-12 and uh, Big 12 fit and all this. But uh, interesting nonetheless that this is the end of an era for the SEC on CBS. Um, Gary Danielson, though, no original Big Ten guy, so it'll be a natural transition for him. He's see, a Purdue guy. See Purdue, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, all. Re- all due respect to Gary Danielson. I think there's a lot of SEC fans that. That aren't going to be too heartbroken about that. I you love t- you that. Todd one. Blackledge, Kirk Herbstreit over over Gary Danielson any day. With all due respect to Gary Danielson, sir, I, I appreciate what you've done, but the Danielson stuff was always just weird to me. Where I just there was like this idea that he had a bias towards Alabama or Florida, and it's like this man went to Purdue. This man <laughs> does not care. And I remember trying to explain that to my dad, and like. In the South, like Gary Danielson, people have some hot takes on Danielson calling games, and they are convinced. I know a lot of Georgia fans were convinced that Danielson let to rub it in when Florida or Alabama were beating uh, beating the dogs, but I don't think that was the case. People who get really upset fans, at announcers are hilarious to me. I sure. promise as someone who talks to a lot of these people for a living, it's not reality. I promise you they don't hate your team. Hey, fans are gonna fan, man. You can't mm. you can't convince me Gary Danielson doesn't hate my team. All right, no, but I, I think um, I actually once again he is a legend, so I'm gonna be mm-hmm. respectful here. I always felt like Gary Danielson got too much hate because Vern Lundquist over the last like f- at least five years, like he was he was past his prime, like he. He, he wasn't doing research anymore. He was, he didn't know the names of players. He called Aaron Murray, Aaron Murphy for like four <laughs> years. Like this is like, guys, this isn't a new player. He's been around for a while. Like it just happens. Like he, he was, I agree with you on that. He, he was legendary. He had a great yeah. voice and everything, but he, he held on a little bit too long. I would agree. Aaron Murphy. Shout out to Aaron Murray though. I think he just got the call up to ESPN today. I don't know if you saw that. He's yeah, uh, joined ESPN. That. So, um, Congrats. yeah. There you go. Greg McElroy doing good work uh, with Omaha Productions. His pod's really good. I, I like that one. So he'll still do he'll he's still doing play by play though, right? For mm-hmm. like games that, yeah. I think McElroy's one of the better guys too. I think he's moving his way up in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Matt Green, ten most hateable college football teams of all time were ranked mm. by Brad Crawford over at two four seven sports. And naturally when I saw this the other day. I sent you a text and I was like, this feels like something that Matt Green is going to disagree with <laughs> and have some thoughts on. Um, so I thought you were going to say this seems like something I would come up with. Like you're just thinking I'm too. this hateful person over here. Not hateful. <laughs> just uh, you You are a college football historian. So you, I think, have a pretty good idea of like, oh, this team was the most hated during this year. This team wasn't. This team was the underdog. People like this team. And um that sort of thing. But uh, what did you make of this list and who did you agree with, not agree with? And uh, we'll get into who we came up with on our own. Yeah. So going through their list, 186 Miami seems like, yeah, I obviously that's a little before our time, but um, 
any Miami team of that era, I feel like that seems spot on. They were changing rules about that Miami team, how much you could celebrate and everything. Um, well, if you read two, the book by Perlman on um, the Dallas Cowboys, he talks about um, Jimmy Johnson and taking that job at Miami and uh, those 80s Miami team and just what actually went on at that point and to win. Like you go over there and it was just like, the stories, I mean, it's kind of funny that it like crosses with the LA Showtime Lakers a little bit with Magic Johnson and the parties and everything there. And Perlman actually writing uh, two different books on this. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I would watch any documentary on those uh, Miami Hurricanes teams and uh, that era. But they were they were kind of like the Michigan of the 80s, right? Michigan Fab Five of the 80s a little bit. People, people really did not like Miami. And uh, people did not, I don't... We'll get into if they like the modern Miami, the early 2000s. I think there was a discrepancy between the youth who liked Miami and the older crowd who did not. Exactly. I think the culture had changed from Mm -hmm. the 80s to the early 2000s, late 90s. So where what Miami was at that point, it wasn't they weren't doing some like radical like it's not like they celebrated more than anybody else like in that those late 90s and 2000s they were just loaded with nfl talent so it's Mm -hmm. like and obviously they had the same a similar swagger to that original miami because that's just what miami does right but in the 80s it was just like so radical that like oh no this isn't how college football is played you know we don't we don't do that sort of thing flipping your bats type type stuff you know um but yeah, so I can definitely understand that you have Miami way up there. Um, 2005 USC, I thought this one was spot on because this is just one of those teams that like it felt like all of college football is like collectively rooting against. Like we mm-hmm. talked about with that Notre Dame game, uh, with the Bush push game, like everyone was rooting for Notre Dame to pull the upset. But um, 05 USC, I also threw in another one. I thought 03 USC should have been on here because. Hmm. They didn't win the national championship. And I'm just tired of teams that claim they won the national championship when they didn't. That's why Mm. I agreed with number nine UCF being on here. Like no one hated UCF until they started claiming national championships. Like you notice Boise State didn't make this list. Mm. Everyone respects Boise State. But UCF is like, just enjoy your season. You're not national champions. Just relax. Calm down. People did not like that 2017 uh, UCF team. They did not like the whole uh, we're national champs, we're the real national champs. And I remember it, it was a strong uh, air of uh, aura of um, the Hawaii Colt Brennan era where Georgia steamrolled yeah. them in the Sugar Bowl. And they were like, oh, Hawaii, they're feeling all this good. Wait until you play an SEC schedule. You're not going undefeated and you're not a real contender. Play us and then we'll uh, just bury you. And obviously they they beat Hawaii um, handedly in that one. But it was interesting that there was a real strong animosity in the South to uh, UCF and them claiming to be the real national champions by going undefeated. But shout out to the 80 at the time who pushed that and the great marketing job there by yeah, that's uh, really what it was. The legend yeah, where he continues to build his legacy up here on Rocky Top, Danny White. <laughs> exactly. And I think the biggest claim was the fact that they beat Auburn and mm. Auburn did beat Georgia and Alabama that year, even though Georgia obviously came back and, and smashed Auburn the second time they played. But 
so you had you had some sort of argument that, that you did beat the two teams that are playing. You beat the team that beat the two teams that are playing for the national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, then they had 2014 Florida State on here. Not sure how high they were, but that is Jameis Winston's year with the crab legs. And everything. I don't remember and I, them being that hated. I didn't necessarily think they were that hated either, but I, I understood them being on here. I think the late 90s, early 2000s... Uh... Florida like State teams, Peter like the Warwick. Peter Warwick yeah. teams, were I think uh, not really liked. I don't. I think a lot of people, people were, hate those dynasty teams yes. more than anybody. So they just kind of popped up in 2013. It's not like they had just had this continued run of dominance, and people were tired of it by 2014. You know, right. it's, but it was I think kind of the Jameis Winston off the field, and that's kind of what I felt like they were right. getting at with some of this stuff because you had 2010 Auburn here at number four. Like the Cam Newton off the field stuff, like made them like kind of hated. I think, I mean, 2010 changed the course of the Georgia Auburn rivalry 100%. Like, I think the Georgia Auburn rivalry was always like a friendly rivalry that like these two teams kind of have more in common than they have like separate, you know, it's like the, the road team won a lot. Like, it was, I don't know, they had just a very even rivalry. And then Nick Fairley's cheap shots on Aaron Murray just kind of this rivalry like actually seems like a a hate filled rivalry over the last like decade. I have a lot of distinct memories of my family yelling very strongly at the TV over Nick Fairley in that Auburn uh, Georgia game. They were very not happy because Cam Newton, like as much as you want to like hate on a guy that's good on the other team, like I never hated on Cam Newton because I was, I, until Joe Burrow, I've always said that Cam Newton is the best player, college football player I've ever seen. Like Joe Burrow kind of is like, okay, maybe there's a conversation here now. His numbers are just stupid. But Cam Newton was just absurd. Yeah, you just kind of hated him because he was good. But Nick Fairley, that stuff was just absolutely dirty. Like the shots to Aaron Murray's back, like it legit, like almost, I think it may have started some sort of fight. Like uh, there were a couple ejections in that one. So um, we need to get Aaron Murray on the pod and uh, parse through this and see what he remembers. What if he, yeah, he's talked about it before. He said that he, that game made him contemplate quitting football. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, that he was a freshman in 2010. I mean, that was, that was Georgia's, I mean, worst team of the last 25 years, probably. That was the only hmm. Mark Rick team that went six and seven and Auburn won the national championship. I think Georgia was up 21, seven or at one point, like the first quarter of that game, I remember AJ Green had like a couple of long touchdowns, hmm. but I think it ended up being, I don't know, 50 something to 30 something like that. Auburn offense was just absurd. Um, at number five, they had 96 Florida. That's a little bit ahead of mine and your time to necessarily know how hated they were, but obviously we know kind of how people felt about Spurrier and, and Florida had, you know, a cockiness to them. I felt like, Honestly, any Urban Meyer team could be hated on, but I feel like 09 Florida is the most mm. hated on team I remember because coming off the national championship in 2008, Urban Meyer just, if he's not your coach, you just can't stand the guy. Like every rival hated Urban Meyer. And then you had Tim Tebow, just the most polarizing figure ever. So them just bringing everybody back just about from that 2018, 2009, and just being preseason number one kind of, running the table until they played Alabama. I felt like the 09 Florida team is the most hated Florida team I can remember. That's fair. 
That's fair. Um, I would say that Oklahoma team in 2017 was pretty hated. People did not like Baker. That was a Baker against the world team. And uh, I think a lot of folks did not want to see Oklahoma run the gauntlet uh, that particular year. He revved a lot of people the wrong way. I think that was the same year he planted the flag in the middle of the horseshoe. Wasn't that the same year or was that a different was that year? Was that the same year? It it, it goes into it, though, right. kind of what people thought about Baker Mayfield. That was definitely the same year he was uh, grabbing his crotch and everything. Right. Versus Kansas. <laughs> Versus Kansas. <laughs> what are you talking shit to Kansas for? But I know a lot of Georgia fans had, like, you know, really, like, strong opinions about Baker Mayfield. Davin Bellamy did the whole, like, humble yourself after the game was over. But, like, never really thought Baker Mayfield did anything. Kind of, you know overly like cocky or anything and not not in that game at least like he just he's a guy who played with a lot of emotion like i i, I never got understood the hate that baker mayfield kind of got in in college yeah um it I, i'm a baker guy so i'm right there with you i will add the 2009 jordan jefferson lsu team uh people did not want that national title to happen that was just in 2011 or 2011 was that 11 yeah, when they lost to Bama, the, yeah. the rematch. Okay, that was 2011, yeah. Um, that was rough. I remember the lead-in of just people just hating the existence of this game. This is pre-playoff. But is that LSU? That's You're more got to hate on Alabama, right? Because well, they were the undefeated number one team. They just didn't want LSU. It was partly, it was because of the way that they were winning. Like, this was not a fun offense, and this was not a fun team to watch week in, week out. And Jordan Jefferson, no one believed in the whole season. Even LSU fans did not want Jordan Jefferson to be their quarterback, which you know is a problem. So it was just one of those slogs where it was like, we don't want Bama to win the national title. We also don't want LSU and this team to watch any more of Jordan Jefferson. Like, they didn't cross the 50. in that one so until what late in the fourth was that when they finally broke through i think so it was like 21-0 i think yeah. that national championship one of the worst um and then the other one i would add is the uh is the notre dame team um with manti teo where it wasn't even just the manti teo fake girlfriend thing it was that but also they were there was just this this was pre like we have it i think we have a different uh, feeling towards Notre Dame now. But I think during that time, there was a lot of like, they do not belong. This is just, we know how this game's going to go. This Notre Dame team is a fraud. Like, they're not actually going to be able to compete in a national title game. They don't belong. There was a lot of like, we don't want Notre Dame in the national title. Like, this is all fake. And Manti Teo was getting a lot of Heisman buzz. And that defense was legit. Like, the Notre Dame defense was. And they was, were undefeated. And I think yeah. Teo had like five, six picks or something like that, too. Like, he had the numbers to back Special it up. Special player. But they got absolutely steamrolled in that one. That was one of the worst national title games of all time, too. And no, that's definitely true. So I think uh, they also uh, come to mind. But uh, I don't know. Any other going, ones? Going back to 2011 LSU, like you're talking about their offense, and this goes into what you're saying. Jordan Jefferson wasn't their leading passer in 2011. Jar- Who was it? Jarrett Lee. Oh, God. Yeah, so they basically they were going back and forth. Jordan Jefferson threw six touchdowns, two picks. Jarrett Lee was 14 touchdowns, three picks. Like basically no – no, no passing offense whatsoever on that team. A what rowdy was Steve Cragthorpe doing as uh, the quarterbacks coach that year? 
But the other ones on this list that I didn't understand, 2002 Ohio State. Like, hmm. who hated 2002 Ohio State? Like, they were like a lunch pail team. Like, just a gritty kind of, you know, win every game, like 17 to 13 type stuff. Like, I feel like I, no one hated on Ohio State in 2002. I don't feel like it was until Urban Meyer that Ohio anyone kind of really hated on Ohio State. Like, they didn't. I will say 07 Ohio State, that's a team that I hate on hmm. because they were not good at all. And their schedule was just so weak. Todd Beckman was the quarterback that year. They were just, there was so mad, much madness in 2007. Everyone had two losses that they just like, they just went right along with one loss and just ended up in the national championship. And they weren't even a good team. Like, I feel like there was five, six, seven teams that could have beaten Ohio State in 2007. Like, and then Pryor beat out uh, Todd Beckman the next year because he was just, he was just not a good quarterback. Like, so 2007 Ohio State, I think they, I think that's the team that lost to, uh, to Juice Williams in mm. Illinois, but they were just not good at all. And they like started like preseason, like four or something because they had just lost to, uh, in the national championship the year before, but they were a completely different team and they were just, they were just not good. And they just got the benefit of just being Ohio State. I feel like that's one I would hate on. But then 2012, Texas A&M, who hated on Johnny Football? The year one one of Johnny Football. Year one of Johnny Football was amazing. Year two, he got arrogant and people started hating on him. That's why he didn't win the Heisman. Till this day, I'll say Johnny Manziel should have been a two-time Heisman winner. Hmm. But people just didn't like all the extracurricular stuff. I feel like 2013 A&M was hated on much more in 2012 AM because they beat Bama. Like no one hates on anybody who beats Bama. It's like we all we all celebrate collectively when someone beats Bama. And I that's why I was shocked that Alabama didn't make the list. Like not one of Alabama team is hated on. Well I think the problem with that one is like who stands out? Like there's just so many that run together that you're just like yeah. we hate the McElroy year, the Lake Sims every year. Bama like, team since 2012. Because 2012, that established the dynasty. Three championships mm-hmm. in four years. After that, it's like, okay, we're over these guys. We as a we as a college football collective celebrated the kick six of Auburn beating them just to just to get them out of there. Like just we're all tired of Alabama. Who would you guess is their one two all time in passing yards? Alabama? Mm-hmm. I know John Parker Wilson had like all the records when he graduated, I think, right? Is that one Has of your been answers? Passed since then? Is that one of your answers? It's got to be McCarran, right? I'd say McCarran, McCarran is one, one. John Parker Wilson is two. Yeah. Two Boom. is three. Put it on the book. Who's three? Tua. Tua is three? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Parker Wilson, hanging like tough, man. Even in a passing era, the dude is just like, I'm hanging around. Hoover's own. <laughs> he, had the, uh, he had the flow of the Alabama quarterback. Um, he's yeah. a part of the broadcast group. Um, like, how, what do you did you pour one out this week when you saw uh, Joe Cox is like getting all kinds of praise from Nick Saban? Uh, he's the tight ends coach at Bama now. Saban loves him. Joe Cox, just a big Bama guy now. Hey, hey man, do you do your thing, Joe Cox? He was a. Uh, I'll always uh, say that Joe Cox got way too much grief. His one mm. year starting at Georgia, he was like, he was. Where's fine. Joe Tarashinsky? 
see an OC at <laughs> Marshall. Where is Joe? I imagine Joe Tereschinski is somewhere living in Athens, Georgia. Like that man is like fourth generation Georgia is he really? Bulldog. Like, oh yeah, both both his dad and granddad played. I think when he was at Georgia, his granddad was like still like involved with the program in some hmm. way in the strength program and, or something like that. But yeah, so there was some nepotism to getting him a under Bulldog center. legacy for sure. Interesting. Um, well, Matt Green, that naturally leads us to our ACC preview. Last week we did uh, the Big 12. Week before we did the, the Pac-12 that you can go check out. We're almost in the big dogs with the SEC and Big 10. We got the Big 10 next week, SEC the following week. And then we have football to talk about, Matt Green. So we're in the home stretch here. Um, the ACC, very weird conference. And we have to throw out this caveat at the beginning here where just a uh, shout out to Sam Hartman and uh, the Wake Forest family. Uh, just brutal news today. Um, undisclosed what kind of medical issue he's dealing with, but he's out for the foreseeable future. Um, so that changes a lot of where we see Wake Forest going in 2022. You hate that forum and that program uh, with where they're at and uh, all the best to Sam. But we start where? in our ACC preview, Matt Green. Well, um, since you know the divisions of the ACC (laughs) so well, we're going to start in the Atlantic division. And since we're starting alphabetically, obviously you know that means we're starting with who? Clemson? Ah, close. Boston College. Okay. So Boston College is a – but you're right. Clemson is in the Atlantic. Clemson is in the Atlantic. You get half the points for that. And it goes Um, up. The Atlantic goes up. Boston College, Clemson, South Carolina. So Boston College, six and a half. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Boston College, year three for Jeff Halfley. Um, They have a new OC. Uh, Their old OC goes to Pitt, uh, Frank Signetti. Um, they bring in uh, somebody new. Phil Dracovic was lost um, for the majority of last season. That was a rough, uh, rough situation for them. Uh, they still go bowling, get to six and six. But I don't know. I like Phil Dracovic. And this is what we talked about last week. The ACC is quarterback you. So you look at it and like that is a really good place to be. If you are um, a Boston College Eagle and you're trying to like figure out, all right, what are we going to be this year? Are we going to um, are we going to be better than what we were? Here's something else that I like. Their new OC coached tight ends at Notre Dame last year. Um, Notre Dame has been putting out a lot of good tight ends um, at Notre Dame. Good offensive line, good coverage there. So I like him coming over from a scheme fit. Jeff Halfley's done a really good job with that defense um, since coming over from Ohio State, but. It's a tough schedule, man. And I look at this and I'm like, you know, I if Phil Dracovic is healthy, I can see it. Um, I pat I like Pat Garwal a lot at running back. Um, I like Phil Dracovic. I think you're a Dracovic guy. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. This is a big year for Jeff Halfley because he hasn't really broken through. He's been playing 500 ball to this point, really, um, at BC. But I mean, if you recall, they had Clemson at the ropes last year, Matt Green. Do you remember that they they were Without in that game? So I uh, I feel pretty good about BC, uh, but I do think this is a huge huge year for Jeff Halfley. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, 
so they're road games. They're at Virginia Tech, at Florida mm-hmm. State, at Wake Forest, at UConn, at NC State, and at Notre Dame. I think NC State and Notre Dame are the only two of those I think are automatic losses. At Virginia Tech is definitely tough. Second game of the season. Um, Going to be a night game. Um, but if they can, if they can get three – if they can get three wins on the road this year, like I think their home schedule is is pretty manageable. Like Rutgers, Maine, like Louisville is going to be one of the tougher games. I think at at Wake Forest, like with Sam Hartman, I mean everything changes with that game, right? Like it's just if Sam Hartman's not there, like even going on the road at Wake Forest, that that's completely different now. That that's a much more winnable game. Um, and obviously UConn on the road too. But then you also have Duke at home and Syracuse at home, like. I think there's, I think there's definitely seven wins that they can get on this schedule. Like I could see them even winning eight games, but I, but with six and a half, I like, uh, I like them to go at least seven and five this year. I think with Jerkovic out last year, I think that just that completely derailed everything. And I, I just there's something I like about Jeff Halfley. Like I, I uh, I'm a believer. I think this game, I think this team, uh, give me the over. I'm going seven. Steve Adazio hit seven wins in six of his eight years at BC. We have this like negative connotation towards the Steve Adazio era, uh, but I mean, it was highlighted by the guys like AJ Dillon um, during that era. But, you know, Jeff Halfley, like if he's like, he, he's just someone that we like for right now, but you have to break out. Like you have to get out of this 500 ball club or it's like, it's, how is it really any different? than the Adazio era. And, you know, it's interesting too, if you look at this um, to uh, with Phil Steele's annual, they go to Florida State. You mentioned that game. I think that might define whether or not they get to like seven or eight wins is, like you said, the weight game is now completely different uh, with Sam Hartman. But it's also um, the Florida State, they're one in 10, their last 11 meetings against FSU, which is odd. I would not have guessed that when I was thinking about it. And they went last year. Or was that was like a 16-13 or something, wasn't it? That was like a real I was thinking they won last year, but then maybe they didn't. Mm, you got it in front of you? I don't see it. I don't see last year. Hmm. I can uh, I can tell you they lost to Florida State 26-23 yeah. last year. Okay. So who knows? Hmm. Is is uh, Steve Adazio Boston College's Bo Pelini? Like a watered down version, because at least Bo was getting nine or ten wins every now and then. Like Adazio, Nebraska is a higher level than Boston College. True, so, like their Bo Pelini's winning seven games every year. You know, I don't know. Just just hit me. That's true. Um, but we'll see. I think a healthy Phil Dracovic changes a lot, and they just need a big year out of him. And you would have hoped that Frank Signetti would be around, but he's uh, he makes the jump to Pitt uh, to get closer to home, I think, uh, for him. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with BC. I'm going to go under, though. I don't like this schedule. I'm going to go under 6.5 for them. Do you go under or over? I went over. Mm. Okay, disagree. we disagree right away. Right off the bat. Um, hate, hate to get get you such an early loss like that but you know that's that's what happens sometimes who's their um, career passing leader at, at bc um is it matt ryan he is number three. Ooh, it's not doug flutie is it it is doug flutie oh a doug healthy flutie. 10K, Put up some yards 10.5k for mr flutie oh yeah 81 to 84 
I uh, keep this going. I'm a big fan of this little this little mini trivia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> keeping it going, we got Clemson mm. at ten and a half, and I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I feel like this team can definitely go eleven and one with this schedule. Like the the biggest ones that stand out to me. Um, at Notre Dame, like, but we don't necessarily know how good Notre Dame is going to be this year. So, like, that's probably the most difficult game on the schedule. And, you know, even that's winnable on the road. And then NC State and Miami, you you get both of those at home. They basically play nobody at a conference other than, you know, South Carolina. Oh, I guess Notre Dame is technically at a conference game. Mm -hmm. So that's a a quality at a conference. Um, And then obviously South Carolina has improved, but I think that's another home game for Clemson. So, it's a very manageable schedule, but like we were just talking about, like they went to the wire with Boston College last year. Like they lost to NC State in overtime last year. Like who was the other? They lost three games. I'm I'm blanking on the the third one. Other was it the than bowl Georgia. game? No, they lost three regular season games and then won the bowl game to um to go ten and three. Um, I'll try to find it, but, but that's why, like, it's hard to just see like significant improvement from what they were last year. Like, I think this is going to be the best defensive line in college football. Like this defense should be, you know, a nightmare, but if DJ Uyunglele is not significantly improved, like I, I hesitate to, to like feel confident about 11 wins. So, uh, Pitt, Pitt was, uh, at Pitt was their other mm-hmm. loss. So, um, I think this feels like more of a 10 and two team. So I'm going to go under the 10 and a half. The Georgia tech game was 14 to eight last year. Yeah. Like they just, they messed around with a lot of teams last year. Like they, there was a lot of losable games they had. I mean, they beat Syracuse 17, 14. He was held. DJU was held under 200 passing yards in seven of his first eight games at Clemson. Shout out to Phil Steele. Like all kinds of great nuggets. When I was going through this, um, shout out to him. So go Barnes and Neville if you get it. But just all the different stuff I was looking at. Like DJ, like you don't even need that. Like you just go through the stats and you go game by game. He was awful last year. Like DJ Uangale was a terrible quarterback last year. I think he threw more picks and touchdowns. He was just not a good player. Like he was someone. And when Dabo goes to bat the way he did at ACC media days for him, like it's (laughs) you hope that lights a fire and maybe a healthy Will Shipley changes a lot because like Will Shipley could be a Heisman type candidate this year. Like a healthy Will Shipley is a really, really great player. Like there is a like he is a potential college football superstar. That's nice. But it's the defense. Like, everything I come back to, it's like their ceiling is like with uh, Murphy and Breezy. Like, those dudes are young, too. I think one's a redshirt freshman and one's uh, uh, a sophomore. But, like, they're going to be around for a little bit longer. And they're only in the a. I thought Breezy's a junior this year, right? Maybe he's a junior and one's a sophomore. Let me see. Uh, No. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, he's a junior. No. Freshman. Breezy is a redshirt freshman. Are you are you sure about that? I'm, Hold on, <laughs> Brian Breesy. It says right here. Right, let me see. I could be wrong. I thought he's been around. He feels like he's been around for multiple years at this point. Uh, well, I mean, if he's a uh, yeah, he's twenty. What what class is he? Brian Breesy is twenty. He's a redshirt freshman. He's a class of twenty twenty. So he was a freshman in twenty twenty, sophomore twenty twenty one. Unless he got a medical redshirt last year, he could be a redshirt sophomore. 
But this he's in his third year. Like, he could be going pro this year. Maybe we're I mean, counting like the COVID year and stuff and everything. I don't know. I don't know. Some of the... He enrolled in years, January 2020. Yeah, yeah so, so he played in the year. 2020 football season. Yeah. So, but yeah, they're they're loaded on the defensive line for sure. They're going to be fantastic on that front. And you look at this group and you look at this schedule, Matt Green. I have a crazy stat for you from Phil Steele. The Tigers have not allowed a South Carolina touchdown since 2018. Oh, wow. <laughs> like That's a stat right there. Is that not wild? I mean, yeah. you just go through the schedule and like when I was thinking about it where they were and like how I thought about Stetson going into last year in Georgia and like that game being as close as it was and the DJ pick kind of ending that, uh, any possibility that Clemson could win that game. It was one of those where now I look at the schedule and like the 10 and a half, like I remember what, I think Georgia's was 10 and a half last year, yeah. if I recall. And I think it's the same kind of vibe where it's like, you look at the schedule, you look at the conference, you look at the division and you're just like, I don't feel great about the quarterback spot going into the year. I don't feel great about um, whether or not they can, but I'm like, this defense is so talented and there's just so many pieces that I just don't see a scenario where they don't win in the trenches and that they don't just overpower almost everyone they play and just win by being virtue of, just being Clemson, like they just don't lose home games. You go through it year over year. Clemson hasn't lost a home game in a long time. Like it just doesn't really happen. They lose on the road. Like you said, at Pitt, at um, who else did they lose to on the road? They lost at Pitt, at NC State. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just, I, 10 and a half, it seems high, but I only see one loss maybe on this schedule. And that's even if DJU stinks again, that's the crazy part is they might win in spite of DJ, but like, I don't see a scenario where if he struggles for weeks on end, they don't make, they don't make a change like after Syracuse or something. Like if he struggles against Syracuse, you have that buy right before Notre Dame on the road. I think that's when you might go Cade. And it's interesting because I mean, that's where DJ burst on the scene in 2020, like DJ balled out for Trevor Lawrence in those two weeks that he was out for COVID. And it was like, oh, they've already got their next guy. He's just, exactly he's going to be the dude. And he was just not last year. And they were like, oh, he's working his body. He's this, he looks like that. And you're like, that's all great. But the larger sample size shows that DJ might just not be a good quarterback. Like he just might not be a good college quarterback and he might have all the tools, but I don't know, man. I, if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm very, very curious to see how this season goes. And we didn't even mention new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Like you get Wes Goodman as DC, never called plays before as a defensive coordinator. Same with Brandon Streeter, who was a Clemson quarterback in the 90s, um, worked his way up, uh, was the QB coach for Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence there. So, I mean, we'll see. I'd probably feel better about uh, Streeter than Goodwin, but I mean, Goodwin has, uh, he's a young guy too. And, I think Mickey Kahn, the old Grayson head coach, is like the co-DC. So, uh, I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, but there's just so much talent and the schedule is just so easy that like even if you drop the Notre Dame game, I think they're going to – and I don't think they will. I think there's a chance that they're favored in every game they play this year. And they're just going to stop – they're just going to waltz into the college football playoff. Now, do I think they can win the title? I'm not there yet, but – I think this is – I'm taking the over for Clemson. 
It's tough to say because, like, like you said, I mean, they're a, a pick six away from you know potentially beating the team that won the national championship last mm-hmm. year, and that's game one when they really were fully healthy. The injuries really got to them last year, and you know if they're if they don't if they're not just decimated by injuries, this obviously could be a way but different team. Like it doesn't necessarily change how the quarterback played last year, but it, it definitely can you know, we can see this impact defense. We can see what they were against Georgia. And, you know, we saw what Georgia did against SEC competition. Like, mm. they, they they scored points on just about everybody they played. So, um, Clemson clearly has an elite defense. So, I think it's just – it's interesting because if you look at the SEC last year, kind of compare them to Georgia, how dominant they were defensively. Like, there weren't a lot of great offenses in the SEC. As good as Georgia was defensively, like Tennessee was an offense that challenged them and they scored 17 points. Like Arkansas was like a pretty good offense. Like that's probably the second best offense that, that Georgia faced the entire regular season. Mm-hmm. So you look at the ACC. I mean, we've talked about the quarterback play in this conference. So with Devin Leary on the schedule with Tyler Van Dyke on the schedule, you know, Phil Jerkovich, obviously Sam Hartman, you know, that's no longer the case, but there's a, there's some Malik Cunningham is he's a dangerous runner. You know, I don't, I don't know how good of a quarterback he necessarily is, but the, the quarterback play in the ACC is superior to what a team like Georgia faced last year, a team that didn't necessarily want to be the most explosive offense and everything. Like I'm not sure Clemson can get into a shootout with anybody. And there's a couple of quarterbacks on this, on this schedule that could, you know, really challenge them and, it's it's t- I go back and forth because like you said it's a it's a manageable schedule it's really kind of those three games with NC State Miami and Notre Dame it just being Clemson you don't expect Clemson to go one and two in their in their key three games you know but it's it, it feels like they're not at the level the elite level that they once were at especially offensively and that's what I think you know as, as good as they were to play with someone like Georgia they were also playing with teams like Boston College and Syracuse last year so I think. I think this is they're going to be a good team, but yeah, ten and two seems right to me. Ooh, going under, going under. We disagree on the first two. Yes, sir. This excellent, uh, excellent radio we got here. Um, Florida State is our third one. They are six and a half, and mm. I'm going through this schedule, and it is hard to find seven wins on this schedule. Out of conference, they have LSU and Florida to go with Decane and the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Like, we've seen the way Florida State's played with some group of five teams the last few years. Like, is the Louisiana even an automatic win for them? So, obviously, Duquesne, I think that's a win. But uh, in conference, they go at Louisville, at NC State, at Miami, at Syracuse. Um, and at Louisville, that's a Friday game. And you know how I feel about road games on weekdays. That's just an automatic loss right there. And Louisville, that really – if you talk about the caliber of team uh, that Florida State is, Louisville is one of those swing games. So for that to be a weekday road game, like I think that's a game they're going to have to win to get over the six – over the – what is it, five and a half or did I say six, six and a half? Six and a half. And I just don't see six wins on this schedule. Like uh, they got – Boston College at home, Clemson at home, Florida's a home game, but I just I don't see six six wins on the schedule. 
that's tough because they went five and seven last year and they had to start from hell. Remember, they started doing four like Jordan Travis gets hurt and then McKenzie Melton comes in and had this like brief little thing in the Notre Dame game where you're like, oh, this could be the best story of the year. And then it did not go that way. And McKenzie Milton was really, really bad and things got really bad. And then Jordan Travis came back and then the season was kind of saved where he goes, what, five and four? What did he do? Five and three, maybe down the stretch. Uh, I think, it, yeah, I guess he went five and three down the stretch um, last year. And, you know, he deserves credit for that. You lose at Florida. That's one that you can't lose. Like Florida was tanking at that point. They were doing one, two, three Cancun no Dan Mullen, and they still didn't beat Florida last year. Uh, you can't do that if you're Mike Norvell. So that game has to get cleaned up. You've lost the last two times you played Georgia Tech. That's got to get cleaned up at home. Like, you got to beat Georgia Tech at home if you want to get seven wins. You have to win on Man, the road. And they lost Syracuse. two straight to Georgia Tech? Yes. Wow. Like, that's just not... They also <laughs> scheduled Wake Forest for homecoming at home, which was a bold choice. Um, but we'll see. That was before the Sam Harmon stuff. I think the one I have circled, because like LSU, I don't think they'll be favored in. I don't think they're going to beat LSU. They're not ready. Um, at Louisville, though, might define their year. Lead the series, according to Phil Steele, all time, 16-6. to six. Um, But the Seminoles have lost four straight road openers by 23 points per game. Is that not wild? They're just getting hammered wow. on the road to start every season. And that's their first road test is at Louisville on the road in a hostile environment. So... I am. Uh, I'm very curious to see well, how that LSU, goes. Well, in LSU, that's Superdome. Like well, that's a neutral basically side. a road game too. Yeah, yeah, but it's a neutral side where I think it's just a, a home stadium. Is who do you think that's going to be the same? That's basically a home game for that's LSU. That's going to be the same percentage as Georgia Oregon. Like, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be basically a road game for sure. Um, but Norvell needs this man. Like Norvell, this is what year three for him. There, um, you lose Travis Hunter. You had potentially some momentum there. Uh, you lose your OC, Kenny Dillingham, to Oregon. He's their new OC. You promote from within with uh, your OL coach. So we'll see what kind of play caller he is. Or I don't even know if he's calling plays. It might be Norbell um, calling plays this year. But it a lot's just going to come down to Jordan Travis. If he's healthy, we'll see. Uh, you have some talent in that quarterback room. Toby Purdy transfers out. McKenzie Milton's gone. But you have AJ Duffy in the building now. You have Tate Roadmaker, who was there last year. You have some talent. You have some options. Like this is probably the most talented uh, Seminole team that Mike Norvell's had. But I think there are some some games that you just have to win. Like I think now you have to beat Wake Forest at home. You have to beat Boston College at home. You have to be in it against Louisville. You have to not get embarrassed in the neutral side against LSU. And then you beat Syracuse in the road. You beat Tech at home. You beat Louisiana. You can get there. I think they can. I think this is a. I, I think I'm going to go over. I think, uh, wait, was it six and a half? Yeah. <sighs> I was going to say, I just realized it was six. And a, I, I'm going to say under, I think they go six and six. I think they go bowling, but I would not be surprised if they make it to seven and five. Yeah. I'm also taking the under on Florida state. So I'm going to, the date that Florida state fans need to circle October 16th. Mm. And you might be saying October 16th. That's a Sunday. Why would we circle that? <laughs> We had you had a question on the podcast. I don't know, probably a month ago. The first Power Five head coach that's going to get fired, October sixteenth is the date you need to circle. So they have they're they're a week zero team, right? So they mm. play Duquesne in week zero. So they have two bye weeks this year. Play LSU, then have the bye week. 
This five-game stretch, so we both think they're going to start one and one with a loss mm. to LSU. This five-game stretch at Louisville, Boston College at home, Wake Forest at home, at NC State, Clemson at home. Hmm. How many of those five games are they winning? I mean, right now I would say you have to go two and three. I think two and three is is realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Because I like I just said the weekday road game Louisville is a loss at NC State. I, I'm saying it's I a think loss. at NC State's a loss. Yeah, at Clemson's NC State's a loss. a loss and Clemson's a loss. So if you're counting LSU too, that's a three and four start to year three as the head coach at Florida State. I think that might be the day that we just they just say you know what let's just go ahead this is this train is not moving in the right direction. Hmm. Let's cut our ties. We got a bye week, you know, get extra long. Let's get a head coach in here, you know, got to get familiar with the, with the, with the players, put in his stuff. Um, Obviously it'll just be some interim guy, but I think October 16th, just that, that five game stretch, if they beat LSU, you know, things could be a little different. There's not the negativity necessarily going into that five game stretch and to be a good team like LSU, even if it's a down LSU team, that's just the positivity that a program like Florida State desperately needs right now. But yeah, I do not think that Mike Norvell gets that, gets through that five game schedule uh, through that five game uh, conference slate uh, without without getting fired. Interesting. Where are we going next? Uh, next, another six and a half. We're going with Louisville. All right, lock me in. I'm going over. Just going over right off the bat, huh? I'm drinking the the Louisville Kool Aid right now. So I'm looking at this this schedule. Um, out of conference, they got at UCF on a Friday, sir. Mm-hmm. That's a weekday road game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're counting over there. I think they're they could easily lose to someone like UCF. They have back to back weekday road games or weekday games. They get Florida right? State at home on a Friday, and the week before they're playing at UCF oh. on a Friday. Oh yeah, there you go. So, and then South Florida, like they, that, should be a win. At Boston College will be tough. At Virginia is going to be tough. They got the bye week, then Pitt, Wake Forest, uh, James Madison, all back to back at home. Then at Clemson, NC State, and then at Kentucky. Like they've been getting absolutely boat raced by Kentucky three in a row. Like I think Kentucky is a loss. I think they end their season with three straight losses at Clemson, NC State, and at Kentucky. So I don't know about that. I think they might beat Kentucky. Yeah, see, I don't think so. I think this this with what Kentucky's been doing to Louisville in recent years, like I I do not think that they're beating the Wildcats, but that's three that's three losses i'm just counting right there at the end i also like boston college and and virginia and ucf could all be tough games on the road so i don't i don't like uh louisville to to go better than six and six this year so i'm gonna take the under i don't know malik cunningham i think is a heisman sleeper man malik cunningham i like a lot and Mm. Tion evans my dude is in the building he transfers over from tennessee Someone who watched a lot of Tion Evans this past year, baby Kamara. I see a lot. <laughs> like they lose their best receiver to Alabama, which sucks. Um, he enters the portal and goes to Bama, but they still got some talent there um, at the wide receiver spot. Tion, I think, is going to be really good. This is it for Malik Cunningham. He's a senior. It's his last ride. You mentioned the schedule. I 
they're recruiting really well. Like they're number one running back. You got a lot of good vibes over there in Louisville country right now. You got a permanent AD there. Scott Satterfield's a good coach. Like he has not forgotten how to coach. Like, do I still think he's long for this job? I have my doubts if he's the right fit there long-term. A lot of Justin Fuente vibes there. But I don't know, man. He was 51 and 24 at App State. And I I just think people have gone way too far on Scott Satterfield. And I look at the schedule. Here's my one I have it circled. I think they beat Central Florida. I think they beat Syracuse. I think they beat Florida State. They beat USF, so you're looking at 4-0 right there. The season will come down 3-1 and one at the worst, I'll say, is at Boston College at Virginia. Like, that's a tough back-to-back for them where you just got to get to that bye because then you get Pitt, Wake Forest, the new FBS, James Madison, and like you said, those last three because you know that that end of the season is going to be rough. So you need to clock in as many wins as possible in the early going, and I think – they can do that in the beginning. And then whether or not they go eight or nine wins will be dependent on what they do on the road at Boston College and at Virginia. They've only won in Charlottesville once, um, and they've lost the last two times they've gone to BC. So I don't know. I think that's what I've had. I have circled here. If Malik Cunningham can go back-to-back on the road in environments where he's going to be matched up against two NFL quarterbacks potentially, or at least one in Dracovic and Brandon Armstrong, we'll see what his NFL value is. But Case be made, he's the best quarterback in the ACC this year. So it's going to be must-see television, I think, either way uh, for Malik Cunningham going into both sites. So I'm going to take the over. Uh, I'm going to buy some Louisville stock right now. Okay. Put it on the board. Um, speaking of a true dark horse Heisman contender, not, not this Malik Cunningham stuff, mm-hmm. we got Devin Leary in the NC State Wolfpack. At eight and a half, sir. Yeah, pound the over. I am hammering the over. Yeah. I think this team. They went nine and three last year, right? Did they go nine and three last year? I'm not 100% sure what their record was. But we, I think they did. I got uh, the ACC pulled up here. Uh, they lost at Wake 42 45. They lost at Miami 30-31. And then they beat Clemson. And they lost at Miss State. uh, So that was it. They lost their games. Okay. So, yeah, I think um, Devin Leary, I think, is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think just pick a first-team all-ACC quarterback is is super difficult going into this year. But I think he easily could be the best one. Uh, he has the opportunity to be the best one, but they open the season at East Carolina, play Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, and UConn at a conference. Like I think that's a team. I think they should go four and zero at a conference. The toughest games in conference at Clemson, maybe at Louisville, Virginia Tech is at home on a weekday, so that should they should be good. But at North Carolina to end the season is a weekday road game, and so you know that's a that's a, a recipe for an upset right there, but it's the Friday after Thanksgiving, so I don't feel like mm. that really counts as a true weekday. You know that that whole Thanksgiving week, you know, it's got a weekend vibe to it. So I think you can still get up for the uh, for the Friday games on uh, after Thanksgiving. It doesn't seem like a real normal weekday. 
Um, and North Carolina is a team I really just I don't have I don't really know what to expect from them this year. They're hmm. a real wild card, but um, I just look, go through this schedule and I think this team is a ten and two uh, by the time this uh, season is said and done. I think nine and three at the absolute worst. So I'm I'm pounding the over on them. Shout out to our guy Phil Steele. I have a crazy stat for you. You're not going to believe this. NC State has lost three of the last four times they've gone to East Carolina. Wow. The Pirates might be on upset alert right there in week one. When was the last time they uh, they went to East Carolina? Does it say? Uh, 16, 2016. Okay, wow. That's um, that's a solid stat right there. I uh, Something I to, mo- I something to mo- mark down right there. Also... NC State's been remarkably consistent, like nine and four in 2017, nine and four in 2018, four and eight in 2019. So they just flip their numbers basically, like an eight and four season. They're like, all right, I guess we'll just go. Yeah, uh, we'll just flip it um, this particular year. Um, they played uh, East Carolina at home in 2019 and beat them 34 to six. Uh, then you go to 2020, eight and four, 2021, nine and three. So you're uh, you're going with the over as well. I'm just waiting for the 10 wins. Like, are they going to break through? We all like Dave Doran. We all like Devin Leary. Um, we all like quarterback you. I'm more curious. Like, they've lost one home game in the last two years, Matt Green. One. I'm concerned that they get Clemson on the road. I am concerned that they get Louisville on the road. And I'm concerned that they get North Carolina on the road to end things. I think I'd feel a little bit better if one more of those was at home. Uh, just because they have protected uh, the den over there in Raleigh. I don't know what they call it, but good atmosphere. Big school. Uh, I didn't realize they were the number three school in enrollment in, uh, in the ACC. But I look at the schedule. I think there's some toss-ups. Like the Texas Tech one, I have circled as just like, keep an eye on that one. Like, Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm curious to see how that one goes. They returned 10 starters on defense, so maybe that will be a factor with that Texas Tech offense. But Clemson on the road, I don't think they beat Clemson back-to-back. I don't think they've ever done that uh, in the Dabo era. I don't think they've beaten Clemson back-to-back. So I'll pencil that one in as a loss. A hungry Florida State team, but I'll still say they win that one. (sighs) It might come down to those last two games. That's it. Like That might come down to where they go uh, with at Louisville and at UNC. Rivalry game, anything can happen. Um, But they have, I think, dominated that series as of late. But we shall see. I'm going to go over to you. I think I'm going to do it. NC State, if you're going to do it, you should do it now. Yeah, without a doubt. This feels like their opportunity. Like there's a there's a chink in Clemson's armor right now. Like they they need to take advantage of, you know, the, the, the squad they got this year. All right. Um, where are we going next? Going next. Oh, side note. What is... <laughs> Speaking of you're talking about them playing at East Carolina, I am noticing a disturbing trend going on in the ACC. <laughs> what is with these ACC schools going on the road to play group of five schools? Mm. Like the entire conference appears to be doing this. I think North Carolina and Virginia Tech both played two games at a group of five school this year. Like it's it's just insane to me. Like just, mm. just when we've been going through just these first few teams – NC State at East Carolina, Louisville at UCF. Like, they're just, there's so many of them this year. And I just, I don't get it. You're the big boys. Hmm. You don't have to go, you don't have to go on the road and play the, uh, Boston College is playing at UConn. Like, 
lot of a uh, lot of ACC teams at at group of five schools this year. I've noticed. Shout out to them, man. Good for you guys. Home and home, going to those locations. Why not, man? Throw them a bone. I know you wouldn't know anything about it at Georgia, where you guys just uh, you avoid all those fun kind of games. And if you do do a fun neutral site or or a fun out of conference game, you do it at a neutral site in Atlanta. So. Um, hey, that's not necessarily true, sir. Like, how have you not gone to UAB? Why were you afraid of the Bill Clark Blazers? Why would we ever play at UAB? Why not? A lot of good talent in Birmingham. They can make a a fourth of the money that they make, and instead of uh, at Sanford Stadium, no, I want to go to Legion Field. I'd say the only team that there was even a consideration was Boise State, and George Mm. is like, we'll play in Athens one time. And then we'll play you in Atlanta. We're not going. We're not going to Boise to play, which is crazy. And also, what Georgia fan would not have wanted an excuse to go to Boise and watch a Boise State game on that blue turf once? At, right now, they would love it. At, back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, they're a little. They're a little scared about that. Isn't that wild? How the turntables have turned. For they're sure, scared but, of Kellen Moore. <laughs> but we, yeah, uh, we clearly were right to be. We we mm. lost that game in in the Georgia Dome. Um, but yeah, we'll get to the other North Carolina, Virginia Tech later. But yeah, North Carolina's at App State and at Georgia State this year. And uh, Virginia Tech goes at Old Dominion and at, who's the other one? At Liberty, both this year. Mm. So grinds my gears, sir. But we can uh, we can keep moving on. We got Syracuse, um, five and a half is mm. the over-under on Syracuse. And I was kind of surprised. It was this high um, with Louisville uh, to open it up at UConn. Like Purdue seems like it's probably a loss. Virginia's probably a loss. Like that's probably a one and three start they're getting off to. Two and three after, you know, beating Wagner. Um, but then you look after that bye week, like uh, I don't, I don't think know. Virginia's if- a guaranteed loss at home. Uh, maybe not. Oh, it is a Friday. I, I did. I ignored that. So there you got something there. Um, Syracuse, we know they can upset some teams um, every once in a while in the Carrier Dome. So, yeah, you're right. Virginia, that's a toss up right there. But after the bye week, NC State at Clemson, Notre Dame at Pitt, Florida State at Wake Forest at Boston College. I don't feel comfortable saying any of those games are wins. Like, I'm not sure they're going to win a game after their October 8th bye week. So I'm going under on, um, on Syracuse. And, um, I think this is all she wrote for Dino Babers. Did I black out when they went 10 and two in, uh, 2018? Do you remember that at all? That's the Kelly Bryant. The year they beat upset Kelly Bryant, right? Well, 2017 would have been, the Kelly Bryant year. So 2018 was the year where Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, they lost to Clemson in, in 2013 game, right? or 2018. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, so that was the one where what's his Clemson name? In Chase Bryce had to come in and uh, and seal it there at the end. Yeah, because they think they finished the season ranked. They were like a pretty good team that year. Their only losses were to Clemson, Pittsburgh, and Notre Dame. Yeah, but uh, 2018 hmm. feels like uh, ancient history in Syracuse football right now. But they, there is some reason for upside. So I brought up the Virginia thing. Guess who their new OC is? Who's that? Robert and I. Guess who was the OC in the mind behind Brennan Armstrong's resurgence and come bursting on the scene in uh, Charlottesville? Robert and I, former BYU mm-hmm. guy, came over with Robert uh, Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall obviously retiring, so he's off the staff. 
He goes to Syracuse to join with Dino Babers. He has a lot of staff turnover uh, over in Syracuse, but they have a really good running back, Sean Tucker, who might be the best running back in the conference. That might matter. Um, Garrett Schrader is like the one, like he is somehow only a junior. I swear that man has been in college for 15 years. Do you remember his beard and everything when he's at Miss State and he just moved up? Um, he's been, he's been at quarterback and just been in the quarterback room in Syracuse for as long as Greg Paulus was at Syracuse. It feels like Greg Paulus was in college for forever. Uh, between Duke and Syracuse. But shout out to him for playing basketball and football at the D1 level in his college career. So Yeah, no doubt. He uh, was uh, him and Josh McRoberts. They were uh, studs as freshmen. I feel like Paulus just got progressively worse and worse every year he was in college. Uh, the worst part is the Carrier Dome is uh, now the JMA Wireless Dome, Matt Green. Grinds my gears, sir. That's all college has left is the the non-corporate uh, sponsored stadiums. Obviously, there's a few of them out there. The Although, there's one less than there used to be because Louisville is uh, is not repping Papa John's anymore. But uh, yeah. So, what was the over-under? Uh, five and a half. Okay. Lost to Louisville. Beat Connecticut. I hope you're counting here. Lose to Purdue. Beat Virginia. Beat Wagner. Lose to NC State, lose to Clemson, lose to Notre Dame, lose to Pitt. Where am I at right now? Um, I think you only have three wins. You said Virginia was a win? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's three wins. Three wins with three to go. Florida State, Wake Forest. See, you were talking about like the firing situation. NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt, all back-to-back. Those four straight that might be the end for Dino Babers because I think they might get blitzed by all four of those teams. Um, that might be rough. I'm going to go on. But at the same time, do you get fired after losing to those four teams? Because like you're not supposed to compete with those four teams. Maybe a home loss to Florida <laughs> State. The, maybe, maybe that's what it do, that's what does them in. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I, I don't see it. I don't see it this year for Dino Babers. No, I don't either. And this uh, this number is a little weird. Uh, with Wake Forest, we got about eight and a half. I think. <sighs> I just you know, how do we talk Sam about Wake Forest Hartman, now? Yeah, it's like I just really have no idea what to expect from them, and I definitely can't expect an eight wins, more than eight wins this year. So, with so much question, I got to go under. On there's uh, not much to Wake say right Forest. now. Like that's unfortunate. Like I would have more to say about Wake Forest right now, but they also lose. The main thing is they lose all their super seniors. So they were old. They were an old team last year. They were kind of like the Oklahoma State of the ACC, where they really benefited from that super senior role, um, especially on defense. And they just had a lot more bodies. They don't have that this year. Um, new DC uh, they brought over, um, but outside of that, because I mean that defense was awful they were in that shootout against army they were in a shootout against everybody uh same hartman they got though. army again this year too they do have army again this year i'm not sure they could beat him without sam hartman putting up 50 but that's what i'm saying like it's just hard to i i all i'm gonna say is the under like i think at this point you have to go under for a wake forest and i thought they were going to be around an eight seven win team this year anyway and coming back down to earth a little bit but there's not much more we can say about wake right now yeah, I agree. And I think um I think the uh absence of Sam Hartman I think really helps uh someone like Boston College or Louisville yeah. uh, get to that over. Like they're they're both sitting at six and a half, so that'll be interesting. So now moving to the uh to the coastal mm. to start things off. We got Duke 
at three and a half. And out of conference, there's a chance they could get this done. Oh, God. Temple at home. Mm. At Northwestern, North Carolina A&T, at Kansas. There's a chance they can get three, I think, three wins at a conference, potentially. Maybe not. But there's a chance they can get three at a conference. And then they just got to steal one game in conference to do this. And they do play Georgia Tech. It's at Georgia Tech. And they go at Boston College, um, at Pitt. A couple couple tough road games. Um, but, yeah, at, at a three and a half, I'm still going to go under because it's Duke. And enough said. I uh, – they – I don't know, man. I they were three and nine last year. They lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, year one for Mike Elko. I uh, this schedule. I'm looking at it. I like the Kevin John tire as their OC from Memphis. He he'll be pretty good for them, but. At Northwestern will be just the unwatchable bowl between the two of them. Temple is going to be one of the worst FBS teams in football this year, I think, um, at the group of five level. I'm going to say North – I think they lose at Kansas. I think Lance Leopold's got that thing moving. Mm. I, I'm going to say Hot under. Take. Yeah, I think they're going to go under. Give me the under for Duke. I think that is understandable. And also, staying down in the gutter uh, where we are, um, three and a half is the over-under for Georgia Tech this year. I knew you were going to go Georgia Tech with that. I knew that was leading into Georgia. <laughs> and at a conference, you've seen their at a conference schedule this year. Uh, they got the Catamounts of uh, Western Carolina, mm-hmm. um, second game of the year. Um, then they go Ole Miss at UCF. And then obviously Georgia to end the season. So you're talking about most likely one and three at a conference. So to get to three and a half, like you're talking about winning three games in the conference. Like they do have Virginia at home on a weekday. There's something there, you know, maybe they can work some magic, but that's, I think they beat Virginia. That's just one conference game. Uh, So I do not see them winning three conference games. And I think, you know, this is it. The the beginning of the end for for Jeff Collins. Not that I'm trying to, you know, fire a bunch of coaches this offseason or anything. But um, I I don't think Jeff Collins is going to make it past 2022. Well, they have a good record against UCF historically. I think they get blown out by Clemson at home. They beat Western Carolina. I think Ole Miss is a toss-up. I don't know. We'll see. Do you? The transfer portal king over here. Like, I don't know what this team... Like, I'm sure Zach Evans is going to be awesome, and I'm sure they'll figure it out if it's Luke Altmaier or whatever. Like, I I'll, is, I would bet on Ole Georgia Miss. Tech we're talking about. Ole okay. Miss might have their question marks. This is Georgia Tech. What if Jeff Sims is good, though? Jeff Sims has shown flashes. You get Dylan McDuffie transfer in from Buffalo. Might be okay at running back. They got... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Dante Smith. As well. They did. Uh, they talent. did beat North Carolina last year. Um, what probably should be a better North Carolina team, probably in twenty twenty one than twenty twenty two. I'm not I'd, necessarily sure. Sam Howell's out. You got a you got a new starter in there, and Drake May. We'll get to North Carolina. Yeah, but um, so I'm saying that's the team they did beat last year. They but it's on the road this beat. year. It is. So I'm not very confident Georgia Tech. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely going under. What, what say you? Well, so I'll 
take the loss for Ole Miss. So that's one and two. I think they, the UCF one's so interesting because I don't know what to make of UCF right now. Um, I'll say that's a loss still. So that's what one and three at Pitts definitely a loss. One and four. I think they beat Duke at home. Two and four that by. And then this is it right here. The next three weeks define whether or not Jeff Collins keeps his job. Is can he get to can he get to five, which is still not bowling. Like I don't see how they get to bowl eligibility on the schedule because like yeah. if you do get to bowl eligibility, it requires you beating either UCF on the road, Old Miss at home, or like an upset like North Carolina. And my but you also have to sweep I mean, Virginia at home, Florida State on the road. And at Virginia Tech, and I just don't see that either. Like, yeah, if you're just hunting for six wins, I think at Pittsburgh, I think that's a team like we don't necessarily Pitt's gonna know. Be good man, Pitt's gonna uh, be good. I think there's some there's some question marks about Pitt though. Like, I hope. like in terms of like at Virginia Tech and at Florida State, like maybe it needs to come against some teams like that. But um, yeah, it's if they go six and six, like he's keeping his job, and they they should throw up a parade. Like if they get to a bowl game, but there's no, I just don't see it happening. I'm going to go under. I just I think this is just too much for them. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and then moving on, we got the Miami Hurricanes mm. at eight and a half. And um, I think this is a good number because you see so you have at Texas A&M the third week of the season. They avoid any road game weekday road games. So, you know, they got that going for them. So on the road, so they got on the road at A&M. At Virginia Tech, at Virginia, at Georgia Tech, and at Clemson. I think there's multiple winnable road games right there. I think at Clemson and at AM are probably the two losses I would probably circle. Um, but the, at eight and a fi- at eight and five, I think you're you can still lose one more game and, and go to nine and three. So I kind of like Miami to go ten and two this year. Like I think nine and three. Like Tyler Van Dyke could definitely be the best quarterback in the ACC. We've obviously said that about a few guys because this is the strongest conference in the country this year when in terms of quarterback play. So Tyler Van Dyke, just if he is the best quarterback in the ACC, like I think this is a ten and two team. And if he's you know a step below that, then maybe they're nine and three. Maybe it's you know the defense just isn't as good as it needs to be. But I think this Miami team should be very good. I think it's. Cristobal year one, like this is an interesting first year head coach. Like Miami, it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily ready to win now. Like Dan Lanning, I think is inheriting a better program kind of an organ than, than Cristobal is at Miami. There's a little more work to be done, but I think the, the, the potential is there for this team to go nine and three, 10 and two. So I'm, I'm going over on Miami. I would agree. I, I I found this was interesting that Miami is number two in the ACC uh, and wins behind Clemson since, uh, what was it? I, where did I find this? Where'd it go? Uh, in the last five years uh, behind only Clemson. So I think people have this idea that it might be a little bit more of a jump for Miami to get to that 10 wins. I don't think it is. Like Mark Rick was still, he got them to what, number two in the country at one point? Uh, during his tenure at Miami, were they number one? The, they number they one. lost to Pitt, like yeah. in, like the final game of the season or something. I think that's right. You're right. I, mean, I will get up to number two. They were as high as number two in the AP. 
Um, so it can be done pretty quickly. There's a lot of talent here. And I mean, we know how they're recruiting uh, with Cristobal. Kevin Steele now running this defense was a sneaky addition, uh, getting him a uh, legendary Tennessee head coach, uh, Kevin Steele for that month of January, who could forget um, that at Texas A&M game is going to be so fascinating because I think that might define it. Cause I think they beat Bethune Cookman, Southern Miss, middle Tennessee, great at a conference game for the schedule for them. Florida State, they beat at home. They own Pitt. They're 14-2 all-time in the series since 98. Uh, so I think that's... Going back to the Big East days. Yeah, they kind of... Pitt doesn't travel well to Miami. So you get that one at home. I think they beat them. The big one's at Clemson. And Clemson just doesn't lose at home, really. And I think that's going to be very, very fascinating. That Their two biggest games in their calendar are both on the road, and you would like to get one of those at home. Uh, North Carolina is probably one to watch at home for them. I think that will be a fun back and forth. But this feels like nine and three to me. I think I'm going to go nine and three with them. I like it. I think um, they're not quite ready for that 10 and two, 11 and one. They're not quite ready. No, definitely not. But I think they make their, uh, I think they make their first ACC championship appearance though. Yes. Because of the divisions that we're very familiar with. Yes, this is uh, not the strongest uh, division this year, um, or most years for that matter. Um, keeping it moving, we got North Carolina at seven and a half. You and big Drake May guy? This number kind of shocked me. Like, seven and a half, like, North Carolina's good, but this schedule isn't isn't necessarily easy. So, like we said earlier, the at App State and at Georgia State, I don't know that those are automatic wins, like both of those, because like there's something about going to these these smaller schools atmosphere. Like the one that sticks out to me was I think when Virginia Tech went at Old Dominion. That was mm-hmm. several years ago, and they long. lost, right? Yeah, it just it feels like it's their Super Bowl. Like North mm-hmm. Carolina is coming, an ACC school is coming to town. So App State, Boone, North Carolina, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be rowdy, sir. And and I don't have to tell you about the thurs. <laughs> the, the thurs are going to be ready, sir. Um, so, and then they got um, at Miami, uh, at Duke, at Virginia, at Wake Forest. Not necessarily the toughest road schedule in terms of the conference, um, but Notre Dame at home, I don't think that's going to be a win. It could be. Um, but Virginia Tech at home could be a win. Um, Pitt at home, Georgia Tech at home, NC State at home. Like, I just don't know. It feels like their entire schedule is a toss-up game. Like, I feel like mm. I feel like I, I feel confident about you know three or four wins on this schedule, and then after that, it's just kind of like they feel like they're just going to be in the middle of the pack in the ACC in that seven win, six, five to seven win, where just all those teams are kind of all jammed together. And I don't think they're they're winning eight games this year. This feels like a seven and five team to me. So I'm going to go the under on North Carolina. I am too. I, you know, what's funny is like people just like associate this Mac Brown era of just like success, and he's recruiting well. But like outside of that, six and seven last year, eight and four the year before, seven and six la- uh, two years before that, two and nine before that, three and nine. Like North Carolina has not just been like this juggernaut. Um, over the last couple of years with Fedora and Mac Brown, where I'm like, I don't just pencil it in it. Like it feels like they've been better, right? Because of the recruiting, because of the vibes yeah. and the energy with that program, but it hasn't really translated on the wins front. Like they were a huge disappointment last year. 
Um, they had massive. The best- I think they had to be the number one disappointment of the 2021 season. And I mean, even in 2020 with their running back duo, like they had an electric running back duo and yeah. with Sam Howell and they still just could not stop anybody. The defense just sucked and they could not do anything about it with uh, Lambeau calling the offense and uh, what was his name? Jay Bateman, uh, formerly of uh, Army was their DC. And now they have Gene Chizik calling the defense this year. Like Gene Chizik's the DC in Chapel Hill. It's like he's he's been a good defensive coordinator, but years ago he has that a, was a lifetime ago. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like they started number ten last year and go six and seven. Like that's that's beyond disappointing. So as good as two that unknowns, 2020, like at quarterback and at running back, they have no commodities. Like Ty Chandler was at least coming over from Tennessee last year. Drake May, we have no idea. Just too much unknowns. I think they're going to be lucky to go bowling next year. Give me the under. I think that's fair. Um, keeping it moving, we got the Pitt Panthers at eight mm. and a half. And I just felt, pound me over there. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I um I was not feeling the over on eight and a half. At at I feel confident they can get to eight wins. That nine win, I'm not sure. Like I'm definitely not penciling in West Virginia for a win right off the bat. Like I know it's the backyard brawl, it's at home and everything. But for one, they're going to get a healthy JT Daniels. I'm not sure if everyone else on West Virginia's schedule can say that, right? So I think first game, they're going to actually get maybe the best version of, of JT Daniels. And then Tennessee's second game, like I think they could easily start 0-2. And after that, like, are, are they are they only going to lose one more game the entire uh, conference schedule? Like, at North Carolina, at Louisville, at Virginia, at Miami. Like, I don't think there's any way this team's going nine and three. Like, I think I think Pitt is. Uh, I think this team's eight and four, maybe seven and five. I'm going under. I think a lot of it will depend on what the t- how the Tennessee game goes. I think they beat West Virginia. I'm not a West Virginia believer, and then I think Tennessee beats Pitt. But you know what's funny too is like <laughs> they have their one of the most successful offensive seasons. They average forty one point four points a game the year before was 29 the year before that was 21 the year before that was 25 they're always in the 20s like we've been the pat narduzzi offenses have not been great that man has spent the whole offseason just talking mess about mark whipple and that offense and they were throwing <laughs> too much and like had to get him out of there just no balance blah 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 they were i mean i just <laughs> i am concerned because they did throw the ball 67 percent of their passes last year and it was uh 57 the year before but like you had a quarterback go in the first round. Jordan Addison yeah, was... You were finally best. relevant. You won the conference. Like, wh- how was your response to all of that? Like, we got to get this out the building. <laughs> like, this is not m- what I want to see. It was like the opposite of what Saban did, where Saban was like, I don't like it, but I'm going to do it because this is where football is going. So I would like to keep winning championships. Pat Narduzzi's like... That was not fun for me at all as a defensive guy. I hated it. I hated watching our offense do whatever. Like I threw up uh, a little bit when Kenny Pickett did the fake slide touchdown run. Like I can't, uh, I can't unsee the horrors of scoring forty one points a game, putting in our de- putting our defense in that spot. That's all w- really strange to me. Like I, that that has been the weirdest offseason tour of anybody is the Pat Narduzzi. Uh, <laughs> taking a dump on uh, Mark Whipple uh, on the way out the door and where he's now the OC at Nebraska, where I'm like, I just, 
all right, man, if that's the route you want to go. It worked. And if I'm Keaton Slovis, I'm a little bit nervous about uh, walking I'm walking into. But I just look at the schedule. I think they beat West Virginia. They lose Tennessee, beat Western Michigan, beat Rhode Island, beat Tech, beat Virginia Tech, beat Louisville, beat North Carolina, beat Syracuse, beat Virginia, beat Duke, lose to Miami. I think this feels like 10-2 to me. Wow. I would I would be very surprised. So how high are you on Keaton Slovis? I think, I think he's, he's going to be fine. Figure. Keaton Slovis is a good player. Like he, he could be the best player in this, uh, best quarterback in this conference too. Oh, see, I don't, I don't feel nearly as as good about Keaton Slovis. Obviously, we like he had, he had a good freshman year, like thirty touchdowns, nine picks, but you know, six games in twenty twenty through seventeen touchdowns and seven picks, like that's fine. It, it wasn't nearly as efficient. And then last year, nine games thrown, eleven touchdowns and eight picks. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on with USC, and you know, kind of a dumpster fire over there, but. I don't know. I don't. I just. I can't be too high on Keaton Slovis to like just be just confident that they're going to go ten and two. I. That's a. That's a hot take right there. I. That's what I'm feeling. I think Pitt turned a corner a little bit. Going over. So we got a lot of disagreements here in the ACC. It's good. Um, we got Virginia at six and a half. Mm, this and, one's uh, going to be the under for me. Is this right? I, see, I'm thinking over on Virginia because I'm looking. We're at just going to disagree on everybody here. There you go. It's it's uh it's good stuff. We got our Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith thing going on. So they got Richmond to open it up at Illinois, which you know at Illinois could be a sneakier game than maybe some I think people they lose that credit for. Um, and then they definitely could. Um, Not a great uniform situation in that one. A lot of crossover between those two uniforms. And they got Syracuse two weeks later, too. There are a lot of orange and blue versus orange and blue going on. But um, then Old Dominion at Syracuse, at Duke, Louisville at home. Like, I feel like they can start. That's the first six games. Like, they should start four and two, I think, with that schedule. Like, I think Louisville and Illinois are the only two teams I could see them losing to. And I think that's... I think four and two is kind of worst case scenario for that first six games. And then you got at Georgia Tech, Miami at home, North Carolina at home, Pitt at home, Coastal Carolina at home, and then at Virginia Tech to to finish it. Like Georgia Tech's a win. And I don't think that's a win. That is that is a Thursday uh yeah. Thursday road game. You're right. So they have two Thursday uh two weekday road games on this schedule. That's a that's a big X factor I wasn't considering. Um and Coastal Carolina, I think most people would probably consider that a loss right now. I think that should be. Grayson McCall walking into Charlottesville. Yeah. So I'm thinking if you give them the losses of Illinois, let's say Louisville, even though it's a home game. Let's say Coastal Carolina and Miami. That's four losses right there. What are they? Six and a half, right? Mm-hmm. They can still lose one more. I I just feel like at Brennan, Virginia Tech. I think Brennan Armstrong. Ah, you're right. At Virginia Tech could be tough. I think Brennan Armstrong's one of the better quarterbacks in this conference. Like I just can I tell you the last time that uh, EVA won in uh, Blacksburg? Oh well, when was it? Eleven trips ago. They're losing in Blacksburg. That's uh, that's not great. That's a uh, not great history. But no. um, I don't know. I'm I'm going back and forth to six and a half. They feel like a team that's going to go bowling, 
but bowling doesn't necessarily get you over the six and a half, but um, I'm going to do it. I think they go seven and five. I think Brendan Armstrong puts the team on his back though and, uh, and gets it done. Um, very different offense. Brendan Armstrong's going to be playing in with Tony Elliott this year. Big change from what he was running this, the last couple of years. I don't think he benefits from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll do mine. Richmond to win. Illinois loss. Old Dominion win. Syracuse win. Duke win. Louisville loss. Tech loss. Miami loss. North Carolina win. Pittsburgh loss. Coastal loss. Virginia Tech loss. Is that four and eight? Maybe. Yeah, that that was no more than five wins at the most. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think I, I'm, I will lock in. Like, I might put mortgage the house on Virginia's under. Like, I, I am not buying any Virginia the stock this year. Man, put it on the under. I think they're a very hard team to read. And they're, they seem like the team that I usually underestimate in mm. the ACC. And so maybe I'm just, uh, maybe just market correction going on. So we got a we got a Virginia uh, state championship going on this year. Have you noticed this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Say it again. Um, we got Old Dominion, Virginia, and Virginia Tech playing around Robin this year. That's cool. So who's winning the Virginia State Championship? <laughs> Probably think, Virginia Tech. I think Old Dominion might have a claim. Oh. Big Ricky Ronnie guy over they here. They are they are hosting Virginia Tech, as we mentioned last time. Mm. The uh, the Hokies came to town. Are they the, up uh, next? Yeah, Virginia Tech is our is our last one. And you remember okay. those dudes for Old Dominion? They started that celebration. Do you remember that celebration they did? No. They went like through the legs, like going like they're doing a, a between the legs dunk, and then like high fived. Yeah, or like someone. With I know the what you're arms. talking about, but people do that all they the time. They started now. that. Those I didn't these know receivers that. at Old Dominion, they're the first guys I ever saw huh. do that when they upset Virginia Tech. And now I feel like that was like a it's like a mainstream celebration now. Not many yeah. people are uh, inventing celebrations <laughs> in the in the 21st century. I didn't know but, that. Um, they're the first. Hey, I know that's not official, but um, they're the first people I remember seeing do that. But um, interesting. So Virginia Tech starts at out old at Old Dominion. Obviously, it should be a win, even though it is on a weekday. I don't know if it necessarily applies Friday. to yeah. a uh, to a season opener, but um, they have they have three weekday games this year. They have they host West Virginia um, on a Thursday in September, and they go at mm. NC State um, in October. So their road games this year at Old Dominion, at North Carolina, at Pitt, at NC State, at Duke, at Liberty. It's the first time they've ever been. First time they've ever gone at Liberty? Mm-hmm. Um, for good reason. Why would you play at a group of five school? It makes no it makes no sense. But they're going to do it twice this year. And um, to Liberty, hold on. Liberty doesn't play Virginia, do they? Are they involved in that uh, that round robin? No. I don't think so. Um, so Liberty might have a claim for the, for the state title as well. But looking at Virginia Tech, I think they get wins at Old Dominion. Let's say – Let's say let's give them Boston College, Wofford, West Virginia. That's like this team could potentially start four and zero, and you still got Georgia Tech on the schedule. You still got Duke on the schedule later. Like, I'm not super confident in this team this year. Like with NC State, Miami, even Virginia, what's the over under six and a half? But just going through the schedule, like. I, 
I kind of want to pick the over. I don't know. What do you say? I hate these six and a half because I just I feel like six and six is. Uh, I'm gonna say six and six. It feels like six and six to me. Like at NC State, I just like the end of the schedule. I think it's gonna it sets up really nice. Like outside of that, Tech at home at Duke at Liberty, Virginia at home. I think they'll be favored in every one of those games. Um, outside of NC State. So if you go four and one there, and then you lose to uh, Miami and Pitt. So it's four and three, beat West Virginia five and three, beat Wofford six and three, beat. Ten. I, I think it's an over. Brent Pry year one. I think I might go over here. I think yeah, you kind of just convinced me going through that schedule because I think they can start. They can definitely start four and zero. Oh. They can just give them three and one. You know, for some. There's a path to eight and four. Exactly. Like those last five games, wait, is the last five, last four? Five, like yeah. They could easily win the last four. So yes. if, if you start four and oh and in the last win the last four, that's an eight game, uh, an eight win season. So I don't think they're gonna get to that eight mark, but I um I'm with you. I kinda like the over. Mm. Do you know who their quarterback is? Um no, I uh is the guy with the like Burmeister or something? No, he's out. Braxton Burmeister is no longer under center. Who do they they got coming back this year? They've got in a transfer. Grant Wells, the Marshall man, Grant Wells, under center. Okay. Watched a lot of Grant Wells this past year. Uh, As a Sunbelt connoisseur, big Grant Wells guy. Thundering Herd guy? Love the Thundering Um, Herd. So I'm looking at Grant Wells. 16 touchdowns, 13 picks last year. Mm -hmm. At Marshall, you're a... You confident in him going into the ACC and, uh, and and improving on that? We'll see. He was we'll eighteen see. and nine as a freshman. Grant Wells, you look been at his uh, sports time. reference page. He was a freshman in 2019, 2020, and twenty twenty one. So <laughs> something tells me he couldn't have been a freshman all three of those seasons. But uh, I I don't know definitively. He was just like, I'm staying in these intro classes. You can't make me move. I'm doing intro to geography, intro to sociology, intro to. So he's, got, he's got a red shirt in 2019. And then 2020, he just, everyone got the extra year for that. So he's like, no, I'm still a freshman. I don't care what you say. Exactly. Well, that's all I've got, Matt Green. So that we're both fun. going Virginia Tech on the over. Oh, no, hold on. We're not done mm-hmm. yet. So I got Miami. Coming out of the coastal. Right. And I got NC State coming out of the Atlantic. I'm boring, man. I've got Miami. No, I've got uh, Pitt and Clemson in the final. Are they in the same one? No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Pitt and Clemson in the in the ACC championship? Yes. And then who, uh, who do you have winning it? Clemson. I think Clemson's in the playoff this year. Okay. Give me the Wolf Pack. I would love the Wolfpack to do it, but like betting at Clemson is just, I feel like, okay, can the Wolfpack win 10 games once? Can they, can they do that once for me? Hey, we'll see, man. Clemson's out here sleepwalking and like trying not to put together a a great offense. And they're like, we'll still stumble into 10 wins. Yeah. 10 wins is the absolute worst case scenario for Clemson, but 11 wins seems like the best, I guess 12 wins is probably the best case scenario. So who knows? It. Uh, I think. I think Clemson. I think uh, NC State does get it done this year and uh, and goes ten and two. They're probably both sitting at ten and two. 
um, in the in the conference standings, and, and maybe NC State gets that uh that tiebreaker in Death. I think Clemson's eleven and one. I don't see two losses on that regular season schedule. We will see, sir. Put, we will put the uh, put the Wolf Pack on the board. He our like third our third different ACC champion in, in three years. That would be uh, good stuff. Because I think, I mean, before that, I mean, Clemson what won its six straight years or something. Clemson yeah, did not lose it for a long time. Yeah, 2013 and 2014 would have been FSU, and then um, and then Clemson, Clemson just took every it over year since then. Yeah, until last year. Turns out having uh, two quarterbacks that uh, all-time great quarterbacks in succession really benefits your college program and uh, where you might go as a program. It doesn't hurt. No. Uh, but we shall see. We shall see if it's DJU, Kate Klubnick, whoever. Hunter Johnson, who's back in the building uh, at Clemson because they needed an extra body uh, because the portal. Because their backup went to Georgia Tech. So he's like the third stringer at Tech, who I'm not even going to begin to pronounce his name. But he got in a little bit last year for Clemson, but yeah, just the portal. Like I was like, that's one of the things with Phil Steele that you, it's good. It's like he waits till the last minute for these portal additions. So it's finalized. That's why it's a late release, but going through it, like I got the, I don't want to throw shade on this other magazine, but I was going through it earlier, like last month. And I was like, that's not right. And then I look through it and I'm like, yeah, they're, they're in the portal. Like, but that's the problem with the print mags in the portal era where yeah. they just can keep moving and it's outdated. And you're like, man, that sucks. Cause they, uh, yeah. But anyway, a lot of movement and you're like, who's this guy? He's where now? A lot of, a lot of that when you're going through team by team. Yeah, there really is. I gotta, uh, I gotta pick up my college football Bible. There you go. There you go. Matt green. We can find you on Twitter. Matt underscore W underscore green. Next week, Big Ten, save the SEC for last. Yes, sir. There we go. See you, Matt Crane. Later, man. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this edition of the Chase Most Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed our ACC preview here on the full ride here on the Chase Most Podcast on the Blue Hour Pod Network. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please make sure you leave the show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That is indeed how you listen to today's program. Helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow. New episode tomorrow here on this podcast feed. Always new content over here at the Chase Most Podcast. So look out for that. Uh, thank you as always for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen. And uh, I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Have yourself a great Thursday. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.